0: In their hearts. Um. So, have you guys worked out who's coming first? Or Matt? Okay, Matt. Let's do it. okay I drew the short straw I think um, let's just pray for a second and just thank you Lord I thank you Lord that we're all we can all come together. thank you that you're the glue that that really holds us all together and i thank you for your holy spirit in jesus name so i was going to tell a joke but may already did that <laughs> because <laughs> so um <laughs> So who knows that God has a whole, uh, sense of humour? Yes. So this this life that we live in um, isn't this isn't a joke, by the way. This life that we live is um, is a bit of an adventure, isn't it? Um, like four years ago, I started. My adventure with Jesus and you know that it's the best four years of my whole life so I lived 38 years before that Um, so I've been struggling with purpose for a little bit like what am I what am I doing what are we what are we doing what are we actually doing and you know I got a bit I don't know. I got a bit antsy, and I started trying to. Um, I was poking Tim a little bit. I'm saying, "What's going on, Tim? What are we doing?" And Tim would just <laughs> share wisdom. So, I want to tell you a quick testimony, and then I want to read some stuff out of the, the um, out of the New Testament. So, just before Christmas, I went on a um, an evangelism school basically and that school was pretty wild actually (laughs) you've got like 120 you know people who are so hungry for Jesus that they just yeah I felt very very inadequate and underqualified but there was one night and I was listening to uh, one of the preachers and I'm thinking to myself I don't think I'm like these people I don't think I could get up there and do that. And I was saying it to God and I'm saying like, you know, what's my purpose, Lord? Like I have this heart for, out, for reaching out and I love talking to people about Jesus. But what, you know, I'm not like him. And, you know, I left it at that and I started worshipping again. And then it came to the end and we were, you know there was an altar call and I went up the front and one of the one of the um you know people prayed for me and you know what he said to me he said I just want to tell you Matt God sees you and then he walked off to the next person and I was like okay so I just talked to God and he just answered me He said, I see you. And I thought, wow. So the next, probably two days later, because it went for four days, so two days later, there's this bloke. Now, his car was like a pirate ship. Like, no joke, he had a flag on the back. He had drilled holes in the bonnet, and he had a big rope on the bonnet. So this bloke was very, very eccentric. He He looked like a pirate, you know, in no shoes had this vest on and I'm like okay. So I didn't really know what to think of him actually and he was always right up the front and he was almost you know almost on top of people you know just praising and worshipping the whole time and I thought well okay. So then he walked up to me and he said I think I've got a word for you and I was like Okay, this is going to be interesting. And he said, I just want to tell you that God sees you. (laughs) So, after that, I really had to listen because that was from the least, like the person I would have least expected God to speak through. And he spoke to me and he said, God sees you. So, that led me to a conversation with someone back here when I got back and I was telling them about it. And they just said to me, well, God wants me to tell you that, <laughs> that he sees your heart and he just wants you to be you and do you. And I'm like, right. So all this time I'm pushing for things and all God wants us to do is to be us. We get to partner with him. You know, we actually get to partner with the Holy Spirit and we get to go out and we get to be the light in this world. Like, how awesome is that? So, I found a quote, actually, which I'll read. It was on Facebook. And I thought it was really good. It says, when we get to heaven and ask Moses what it was like to part the Red Sea or ask David what it was like to slay Goliath they would turn to us and ask what was it like to have the Holy Spirit himself living inside of you and I thought wow because that's what we have so I was reading in about the Great Commission and You know, in Mark 16, verse 15, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So I thought, well, this is to apply to all of us. All of us, normal. It's a normal Christian thing. And I also read Matthew 28. Hang on. Now my phone doesn't. And Matthew 28, 18 to 20, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that says, Amen. That's like it closes it off. I'm with you to the end of the age. So how does that apply to all of us? I believe that we can live a life of worship. We don't just have to come here on Sunday. Because we are we are sons of God. I um I was reading Graham Cook, who's really like a really gentle kind of fella. And one of the things that he has said is, and I thought it was really good, so I was going to share it with you. It says, your principal role in the earth is to be loved by God, to be loved outrageously, and then to give that love to everyone that you connect with. And like, how simple is that? That's it. So as we go to work, what do we do? We love the people around us. How do we love the people around us? Because we are loved. You know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, I find myself as a school chaplain at the moment and it's a real challenge because normally I could tell people about Jesus and I could, you know, say to them, Jesus loves you. But as a school chaplain, the school says you can't do that. So they want us there but we can't say Jesus. So how do we show God's love? We are the light and we are there and that's how we show God's love because he sees, people see it in us and that's become really, this year especially, become really like evident to me that, you know, I've heard someone say, you know, preach the gospel to the world and if, if necessary, use words because our whole lives can Shine. But why do they shine? It's because Jesus loves us, because God loves us. So I was thinking about my journey, and just because Josh um, is leaving, I thought, you know, in the last four years, before that, probably the year before that was probably one of the hardest years I've ever had, Um, and I was thinking about the people that I encountered that showed me Jesus So the first one was I was watching Facebook and there was a bloke, you know, Todd White. So most people have heard of Todd White. And he's there and he's praying for people at a death metal concert, like a, you know, concert. And they're at the back with the, the lead guitarist, which is Brian, whatever his name is. But he's got dreadlocks and they're these rough blokes. You know, he's got tattoos Todd White hasn't got to do, it, the other bloke does. And I'm like, I started to weep and, and I didn't know Jesus and I'm like, what is this? What are these blokes up to? So that was the first thing that happened. The next thing that happened was um, we were at home one day and there a knock on the door and there was a bunch of flowers sitting there and there was a note on the flowers. So Tam takes in the flowers and of course we assumed they're for Tam Because they're flowers. And she starts reading the note, but she's got this confused look on her face. And I'm over her shoulder reading it. And I just started sobbing. Because this note had answered all the questions that I'd been asking God in my own head. You know, he, He sent somebody, which was Tam's friend who she knew since she was a kid, you know. She told her what to write in a letter to send to Tam. So that I could read it. Now, Tam still has no idea what it means. <laughs> but that was the second person. And then the third person was a carpenter who was working on my building site. And he heard that I had a sore back. And the first thing that he did was he shared the gospel with me. Now, I just stood there dumbfounded because I'd heard the gospel before, but I didn't want to know it. And he stood there and he told me the gospel. And he says i'm going to pray for your back and i'm like here and he's like yeah now and he just prayed for my back and i thought wow this bloke is so bold like what is that where does that come from and then as i went through my journey i found jesus not long after that so you don't know what you're doing when you're out there shining in the light you don't know whether you're the, the last push you know, you don't know what God's doing in that moment. So I go through my journey and then Josh one day comes along and he says, you and me got to do outreach. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> what is that? He said, let's go out and talk to people in the shopping Centre. And I'm like, okay, I don't think I can do that, but I'll have a go. And I was so nervous. And I went out there and... The rest is history. But that was because of Josh. Because he shined the light. And he was just doing the normal thing that Josh does. These other people were doing normal things that they do. They weren't, it wasn't an outrageous thing for them. And I think we just got to keep that in mind as we go through, you know, our lives. That it's the love of God that overflows out of us. And that will touch other people. We don't have to like... Really try. So, God bless you all.
1: Good morning, everyone. Thank you to Matt for sharing his heart. I've been a big part of that journey. I think he's one of the closest friends I have outside family. And thank you to Josh and Paige, i like to honour people, not even when they're leaving, but I think Josh definitely taught us to look to share Jesus in our workplaces, in our neighbourhoods. But um, I only have 10 minutes, so I'm not going to go too hard, or I'll probably go hard, but I won't uh, share too much. But through this uh, season, it's been a tumultuous one. It's been a difficult one. Everyone I speak to has been going through difficulty. And I think some people have misinterpreted the season. They've walked away from their marriage. They've walked away from fellowship. But for those who are continuing and seeking God with all our hearts, we have learnt to anchor everything that we have into the foundation, which is Jesus. We have no other foundation but him this morning, so we declare who he is But Romans 8, and I've had a fair few verses which I've had to rely on, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, my health deteriorated to a pace and to a stage that I didn't enjoy. I've been struggling for 18 years. I've been crying out to God for breakthrough and for healing and for mercy. And he says to me, I have heard your cries. I have flicked the switch in your life and you are now starting to flow in that river of life. It is very important for you and I as Christians to have the deepest relationship with Jesus. My wife cannot fill that God created void within me. I cannot fill that love that comes from God within her. A leader cannot lead or fill that void. God is the only one that can do it. And we need to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. Husbands and wives and families, we need strong families. We need to invest more into what God is seeking to do in our lives. In Romans 8, I don't have much time, but it's a great chapter. Starts off with, There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. As soon as we're born into the family of God, there's no condemnation. I rolled a tractor a few years ago, $60,000, and I'm thinking, How am I going to get out of this? And the owner says, If God doesn't condemn you, Tom, I won't. There'll be a blessing in it. And that spoke so much to me of the Father's heart, the Father's love. And Paul, the writer of Romans 8, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And Paul was very educated, very qualified, I should say, shall trouble or distress, he experienced all this, or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. He says, No, in all things we are more than conquerors. Hupenako is the Greek word, probably one of the few Greek words I've actually looked up, and he says, You're mighty conquerors, you're super conquerors. Greater than Superman, this is coming from a supernatural force, the empowering and the anointing of the Spirit of God, demonstrating the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And I've been reading about David. David was out in the fields, he was looking after the sheep. He saw the bear and the lion come and destroy what God had asked him to protect. But he saw the mighty hand of God protect the flock and protect him. So with that passion and that zeal, Samuel anoints him to be the king of Israel. He wasn't the most masculine looking. He wasn't the biggest or the strongest. But the Lord says unto Samuel, don't look at the outward appearance. He says, I look at the heart. And David, as he is anointed by Samuel, he goes off to the battlefield. He'd heard about the battle and he went to have a look. And he finds this beast of a man, not only blaspheming his countrymen or his family, but blaspheming the God of Israel. So David becomes very passionate. He becomes quite angry, I believe. And he starts to ask around, who is this man? And what are we gonna do about it? I'm paraphrasing here for time. And his brothers become quite angry But Saul hears about this man who's asking about this Goliath, this champion of champions. He hadn't had too many other takers, I take it. But uh, David, he calls David up. He gives him the army. You know the story well. It's heavy. It, It weighs nearly as much as David. So he declares to Saul, my God will bring the breakthrough. My God will bring the victory. My God will cause us to be a super conqueror. And he goes and he destroys Goliath. Goliath, obviously, was the champion of the Philistines. But the reality is that God not only gave David that conquering situation or circumstance, the Philistines' bodies were strewn throughout the countryside The reality is that David was prepared to stand not only for his family, not only for his countrymen, but he was prepared to stand for the almighty God. And I believe that God is looking for people across this land and across this world who are prepared to stand for him. And I believe that it starts in the family. As a husband and wife, we need to stand for God. We need to trust in the goodness and the kindness and the mercy of God and how do I do that? Through the love of God which is in and through Christ Jesus. There's no love like his love, no love like his compassion and care and the reality is as Matt has said, it's the only way I can love properly. It's the only way that I can love as Christ would want me to love. It's the only way that I can love as a husband as much as Christ loved the church towards my wife. I cannot do it in my own strength, but Jesus' love conquers all. This morning, be encouraged to stand. Be encouraged to put your feet on the anchor and the foundation that cannot move. And I'm believing that, there's gonna, that this nation is coming into alignment with the kingdom of God. It's coming into alignment with the will of God. And we as God's people have to keep standing. We have to keep believing. We have to keep declaring as David did. You uncircumcised Philistine, how dare you come against me? How dare you speak ill of my God? That's what we declare this morning to the enemy. We are super conquerors because Christ has suffered and bled and died. But most of all, he's raised again from the tomb. I'll just quickly close in prayer as Brooke comes up. Our Father, we thank you that we are super conquerors. Our God, that not only are we we're victor- victorious in all things, our God, we need the anointing and the empowering of your Spirit to do this. So we relinquish and we surrender our lives, we surrender our families, we surrender our marriages, we surrender absolutely everything to you so that you can fill us up, Holy Spirit, and we can declare the goodness the kindness, and the love of God to a nation, to a world that needs it. We bless you in Jesus' name. Everyone says.
2: Thanks, Tommy. I'm always encouraged hearing um, Matt and Thomas speak. They're awesome. They've been a big part of my life over the last couple of years, so... It's really amazing and I feel so unqualified, as Matt says, to be up here next to these guys, but here I am. So I want to talk to you about something a little bit different. I want to talk to you about salmon. I want to start by reading a bit about Moses' life. Um, Pretty sure everyone here knows the story well, but we'll go ahead and share a bit anyway. So... So, starting in the beginning of Exodus, we read about how the Israelites are under oppression of the Egyptians. Because the Egyptians were afraid of the Israelites because they were mightier than they. It says in Exodus 1.12, But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. So, even though the Egyptians looked like they were on the upper hand, even though they were the ones who had the Israelites in slavery, the Egyptians were actually the ones who were afraid of the Israelites, which is really interesting. Um, so reading on in the story, we hear about the king of Egypt and how he orders all the male newborn children babies of the Israelites to be killed on the spot. But we read in verse 17 of chapter one, "But the midwives feared God. It did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. And that's really important, not only just in this story, but in our lives. So who do you fear? Do you fear the oppression of Egypt? Do you fear the cultures of the world? Do you fear your boss? Do you fear your... What, what do you fear? Or do you fear your God? It's really, really spoke to me, that. Um, so reading on, reading on, um, King of Egypt ordered the killing of these babies, what really stood out to me about this is you see it repeated over and over in scripture, you saw it in Jesus' life too, how whenever there's a move of God coming, whenever the devil knows something is coming, he always tries to snuff it out when it's small, he tried to kill Moses before Moses even came, he tried to kill Jesus before Jesus even came. So in your life, when you start hitting a bit of friction, when you start hitting a bit of pressure, a bit of trial, know that you're on the right path because the devil will try and stop you because he is afraid of what you will do against him. So that's why it's really important that we just keep going. We keep fearing God and not not the trials or the persecution. Um, When Moses' mother hid him in that basket and sent him floating along the river, who picked him up? The pharaohs. The pharaoh's daughter, the princess of Egypt. It's really, really interesting here. She knew what she knew what the king had ordered about the, the killing of the babies, and she knew it was an Israelite baby because she said, "I'll just read a bit of chapter 2, um, The pharaoh's daughter said to her, "Oh, here we go." The daughter of pharaoh came down to the to came down to bathe at the river. And her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she said to a maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then when his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? The Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. So even though Pharaoh's daughter knew the rules, knew everything, she still had compassion on this child. She knew that her father's rules, she knew that the culture of this world was wrong and she had enough conviction inside of her to stand and say no, to stand and say no, I know what the penalties are but no, this child is innocent, I'm going to save him. And not only did she save him um, but she sent him back to his mother and as Moses grew, he not only learned about the Hebrew culture and about his God and about everything like that, but it was actually the Pharaoh's daughter who's encouraging that and say, yes, you need to walk in this, you need to, need to learn about this. She wasn't trying to force him into Egypt's actually um, culture and, and gods like that. It was really, really interesting, because um, that's a really bold move for this young Egyptian princess. Um, We read about it in 1 Chronicles 4.18, God actually changed her name, this young woman. He changed her name to Bithya, which means daughter of God, meaning you called Moses your son, though he was not. I will call you my daughter, though you are not. So just that one action that she had enough in her to stand to her conviction, she was actually included into God's family, which is really, really awesome. So now Moses, he's grown up as a young man. Now um, he's a prince of Egypt. He, the world is at his feet. He has everything he wants. He is the head of everything that anyone could ever want, and yet he's still wrestling inside of him. He has to choose. He has to choose between that life of pleasure in Egypt or his birthright as a slave. So he's wrestling so deep within him about what, what's he going to do, what's he going to do. Can you imagine just every day waking up, just knowing that your people are dying, that they're being persecuted, and you're sitting here in luxury? Like, can you just imagine that wrestle that must have been going inside of him? Moses eventually gave in. He chose to give up the world to follow his God. Um, now, Moses wasn't this mighty, confident, strong man that sometimes we depict him in the movies and all the rest of it. He was actually a stutterer. He was not confident. He was terrified of people. So if you can imagine public speaking, him in front of Pharaoh saying, let my people go, you can imagine that would have been pretty terrifying for him. He even had to have Aaron be his spokesman for him. But yet he still chose to side with God and do what he had said. And he stood. So Moses had the nature of a salmon. He went against the flow. He went upstream of the river. And we know that even dead things go with the flow. It's not hard to go with the flow. In life, it's not hard to go with the flow. You can just sink under the radar, just do your thing, wake up in the morning, have a shower, go to work, come back, have some tea. It's not hard to go with the flow. But to go against the flow takes a bit of will, takes a bit of fight, takes a bit of strength. And when a salmon actually goes upstream, and fights against the current, it takes everything within them. Once they reach their destination, most of them usually die from exhaustion. Um, It takes a lot in you to have that fight, to have that determination, to have that strong will to go against the flow. But Moses understood God's calling. Egypt was no longer important to him. Everything this world had to offer was no longer important to him when he understood God's calling on him. So I wanna encourage you, when the world no longer be important to you, when you find God's love and when you understand his calling and what he's called you to do here. Um, The ruler of this world, the devil, Pharaoh back in the day, he doesn't mind you being a Christian. He doesn't care that you're a Christian, that you go to church on a Sunday. That doesn't bother him. What bothers him is when you actually make a stand and when you actually start moving in your God, giving gifts and callings, that's when he starts getting a bit edgy. That's when he gets start getting a bit tipsy, he starts throwing things at you, starts throwing all these trials at you, starts throwing all these um, oppressions at you, like we saw with the Israelites, because he knows if you persevere, if you persevere with your God, what the breakthrough will carry. The course of action should not be based on ideas and regulations of this world as it dictates. By being friends of the world, we become enemy of God. Moses had his eyes firmly fixed on his heavenly father and he knew what his reward was. It wasn't in the treasures of Egypt. It wasn't in the gold. It wasn't in the inheritance of Egypt. He knew his heavenly treasure was with God our father. And he he chose not to fear even Pharaoh's wrath. Can you imagine going to Pharaoh and, you know, what you would have been fearing, like, for your life? um, Not even that, but when he first went to Pharaoh the first time, we saw that he got double lashings on his people. They had to make the bricks without the straw then. So it wasn't just, uh, oh, what, what repercussions would come on him. It was also what repercussions would come on his people. But he still chose to fear God. He still chose to fix his eyes on God. All the treasures, comfort and luxury of Egypt didn't hold him back. To him, no one was important as God. To fear God means to obey God. For Moses, his freedom and persecution was more important than the chains and comfort. So freedom has a price. But those who are truly free and refuse to compromise... Two, like Moses, can lead thousands of others into freedom, offered to all who call upon the name of Jesus. And so if that's you today, if you've been going through a bit of stuff, you feel like you've gone through the mill, I just want to encourage you to stand. Just keep standing. As Matt says, God sees you. He knows where your heart's at. He's not alone. You're not alone. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you in any of this. He's got you all the way through. And if you need prayer today, if you want prayer, you need someone to stand with you, if you are you want to see breakthrough in your life, we've got some awesome young kids here and many other people who want to stand with you and who want to pray with you and help you see that breakthrough. Because it's about family, hey Tom? Thank you.